Genesis 8 verse 22. It's a little bit better. Just watch out for feedback now. Genesis 8 22. And I'm going to see how we're going to flow. But as I said, we're here this morning also to give back and then we're going to get into the message. Let me say this. Um, some things regarding uh, Christmas or the birth of Christ. Are you guys with me? Let's first go to Isaiah 9 verse 6. Let's first go to Isaiah 9 verse 6. So this will be an offering message mixed into the beginning of the message. So don't see this only as an offering message right now for those who are online. And we welcome those who are online. We have a lot of people online watching with us as well. Uh, Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Say with me, a child is born. A son is given. So a child was born, but a son was, a son was not given. A child was born, but I want to go as far to say, a child was never born or made. A child was born, but was never made in the womb of Mary. The womb of Mary was made for the child. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that a body He has prepared for me. Mary's womb He has prepared for me. Are you guys with me? So she never formed the baby in a womb. I want to almost be, as the, the baby was growing, but it was not formed in a womb. There was a seed that went into a womb that was untouched and unmixed. Now, but listen to this. If God is light. I want you to see this because what is the purpose that Christ has come into the church? Or sorry, what is the purpose that Christ has come into the world? What is the purpose of His birth? Everybody's going off about the date and this and that. And uh, there's more demons and people who don't believe in Christmas than those who do believe in Christmas. Uh, there's more religious spirits in those who don't believe in Christmas than those who do believe in Christmas. Uh, and that I've seen. But why has Christ come into the earth? What is the purpose? Now we know that the Scripture is saying two things. It's saying that for this purpose I came into the earth, that I may destroy the works of the devil. Are you guys with me? So Jesus was born to destroy the works of the devil. That is it. So if anybody says to you, I want, you know, what is this casting out of devils? What is this? What is, no, no, no. He came for that purpose. Now we can cast out devils because He created, he, he made the enemy of no effect. He gave him no right to be here. That's the only way we can rebuke devils in this time. Are you guys with me? Or cast out devils out of people. So He became to destroy the power of the enemy, the works of the enemy, which is also the power of sin. And then number two, John 3 verse 16, we see furthermore that He says that He, he came not to, so that the lost may be condemned, but to save the lost. Are you guys with me? And God so gave His own, God, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Not to condemn them, but that He may save them. So He came in secondly to bring salvation. But what is the, what is the overall purpose of that why He has come in? I want to show you this. What is the overall purpose that He has come in for that? Jesus said these words. He said, unless you can see, He says, if you want to see the Father, look at me. He says, no one has seen the Father except the Son. 
But if you want to see the Father, if you want to see His face, if you want to see how the Father looks like, look at me for then you will see Him. Now, if God is light, are you guys with me? I Many of you will have to see an image of God, you will see light. Light in space cannot be seen unless it touches matter. So when light is in space, it travels and it cannot be seen. The moment it touches matter, it reflects the light. For example, the sun coming to the moon, you can see the moon, but you cannot see the light going to the moon. Are you guys with me? So light cannot be seen in space. That tells you that God cannot be seen because He's light. Unless He touches matter. So what is the reason that He has come into the earth? So He created a body for Himself. So that the body can be matter. So that the moment the light of God shines, people can now look at Jesus and see the Father. Are you guys with me? So now they can see, but wait, this is how the Father looks like. Because now the light of His glory is reflecting and shining unto the sun. Are you guys with me? So what is this thing with the seed? I want you to, I want you to listen to this. Uh, let's first look at it like this. I had this question. Did Mary give, did Mary give birth in pain? Just stay with me. Are you, are you guys with me? Are you guys with me? Did Mary give birth in pain? Because if she had pain in giving birth, she was under the curse. The curse came in because of sin and the fall of Adam. So if she gave birth with pain, it means she gave birth under the curse and there was sin in the seed. But because the seed, the Bible says, was the um, perfect, untouched uh, Uh, seed, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, it's an uncorruptible seed. We have been born by an uncorruptible seed, but it's uncorruptible. Came from the Father, the Holy Ghost. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And today's message is going to be short because I don't want you to be long, but I'm going to give you just a few prophetic meanings of things that we see in Christmas. Now, if that seed was pure, that seed did not come from Joseph. It came from the Holy Spirit. And the moment conception took place, Mary had to give birth without pain, which made it a miraculous birth more than or the same level as the virgin birth. Because then they knew, but wait, this seed is not tainted by sin. Are you guys with me? Because it's not tainted by sin, Mary could give childbirth freely without pain. If she had pain, it would be under the curse. Are you guys with me? If she carried Christ or the seed in her and she was a carrier of Christ, 
We think that Mary carried Christ, yet Christ carried Mary. Listen to me. Colossians chapter number 2 says the whole chapter, how everything is in Christ and everything was made through Christ and that the whole of creation was made through Christ. Meaning if she carried Christ, she didn't only carry a child. Who did she carry? She carried creation inside of her. Now listen to me. That is why the scripture calls it not or calls the child not a child, but calls it a holy thing. See, the angel said, that's holy thing in you. Because it goes beyond just being a child. It is the Christ that even the God we serve is in Christ. The Holy Ghost we fellowship with is in Christ. Are you guys with me? And where people with new age get these things wrong is because they move away from the image of Christ. And they say, I can get to God through another means or through another way. It must be in Christ. Are you guys with me? So the fact that God had the audacity to give Mary a seed. And he believed that once the seed is in a womb, that the seed will grow. Tells me that God believes in seed sowing. Are you guys with me? Go, go, to, go to Genesis 8.22. Genesis 8.22. Hmm. Listen to this. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat. Say with me, seed time and harvest. Winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Say with me, shall not cease. Let's go back in the beginning of the verse. While the earth remains, while the earth is still in place, he says, there's no such thing that it stops at the old covenant. Well, the tithing is under the... He says, no, no, no. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Are you guys with me? The word time there is connected to chronos, which means that, uh, that uh, it is in the natural time. So there's a natural time where I'm sowing seed. Not just an appointed time. I sow seed in a natural time. But then God's appointed time comes where a harvest is reaped. But the harvest, it doesn't say seed time and harvest time. It says seed time and harvest. Which means that your seed you throw in time. And there's a certain time where you have to sow seeds. But the moment you begin to reap, it goes outside of the framework of Kronos time. Let me say it like this. Sowing is limited. But reaping a harvest has no time connected to it. It is unlimited. So the seed, time and harvest. I don't know if you guys understand. The moment you begin to reap of seeds that you have sown, He's saying, listen here, that thing is there until the earth remains. So your smile is a seed. Your finances is a seed. Your worship is a seed. Everything, your serving is a seed. Are you guys with me? Being friendly with somebody is a seed. 
Helping somebody is a seed. Giving food to somebody is a seed. Doing something good for somebody is a seed. So whatever you are reaping and living today is because of what you have sowed yesterday. So if you live a harvest of depression today, it's because you sowed something in your yesterday. If you have a miserable life today, or you have people attacking you today, every day you just see people or people not just breaking relationships. Maybe it is because you broke relationships or you were bad with people in your yesterday. And now you're in a season of harvest. But now you have to begin to sow good seeds until your next harvest begins. No farmer sows a seed without an expectation that there's going to be a harvest. Are you guys with me? Go Isaiah 9 verse 6 again. <laughs> the reason I know it is not good is I get to Krugersdorp and it's excellent. And there was times here... <laughs> And uh, there was times here that it was excellent, but I have an idea. I have an idea what we're going to do. Um, so it is a difficult building. It is difficult. So I understand that, but I have an idea. I think we have to run hang soundproofing material at the top. Isaiah 9 verse 6. Let's go there again. So listen, I want us to get into it. I'm going to be quick with you, but I want to give you prophetic signs. Are you guys with me? I want us to get our spirits right right now. Get serious with God. Let me explain it like this. You can, you have three parts. You have your spirit, your soul, and your body. Um, each of those three avenues or compartments or three beings, if I may like that, three parts of you. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. Are you guys with me? And you'll see even today how the scripture goes with 333 everywhere. So we have a spirit, we, we live, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. The problem is that a lot of people try to serve God in their soul capacity. Are you guys with me? Anything, so under the spirit, if you can see it like that, are you guys with me? Because I'm going to say something, listen, please, I don't like just, uh, so I understand there's people here that's only been here last year, Christmas. God And uh, we will have an altar call after the service. We will. Okay. Because you're not saved. You need to get saved. It is a serious thing. And uh, um, maybe you were the Passover and Christmas, but uh, uh, so you will not understand when we speak these things. The others will understand. When I say spirit, soul, body, spirit, under spirit, you have, uh, you have um, communion, intuition, and conscience. I'm going to say it again. You've got three parts under spirit, communion, intuition, and conscience. It is the parts of your spirit that makes your spirit operationable. It is also the three parts on how you tap in to serving God with your spirit. Are, are you guys with me? So where is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost sits on our spirits. The Bible says our spirits are saved, but our souls are being saved. And one day our bodies will be saved. So my spirit man has instantly been regenerated. The moment I give my life to Christ, whether I answer an altar call in the service here or whether somebody leads me to the Lord, the moment I give my life to Him, 
and it is real true repentance is the moment that my spirit is regenerated and saved. Somebody's spirit that is not regenerated will be sitting here and like, this is too long now, I want to get home. Every word is going over there. Their spirits are dead. And if that is you, your spirit is dead. Because when the Holy Ghost comes, He rejuvenates your spirit. The Bible says, he, he, the Bible says that He, uh, it says that uh, He charges up our body. Uh, he revives our members. He revives our body. He energizes us when He comes on us. He quickens our mortal body. Meaning that when the Holy Ghost comes on something, whether it is your body, your soul, he, whatever comes upon your life is quickened instantly. So if the Holy Ghost is upon your spirit, your spirit will be quickened. How do you look into the spirit of a man? You simply look into their eyes. The Bible says that the eyes is the light of the body. And the spirit of the Lord is like the lamp of the body. That without it, you cannot walk. It gives you light and direction. So how do I look to see if somebody has the Spirit of the Lord in them? I can see it in their eyes. Are you guys with me? I can see whether they are dead or whether they are alive. Um, so under the Spirit, you have intuition, conscience, communion. Communion means communion with the Holy Ghost. Intuition is that God part in you, where God's voice resides. It is where you walk and you feel like, I'm going to bump over this glass now. And then five minutes later, you bump over the glass. It is that God part that has the ability to, to go beyond time and see what is to come. Okay. Then you have conscience. It is where you have a conscience. But now the Bible says our conscience is dead before the Holy Ghost comes upon us. So when we are washed in His blood, our conscience is washed from dead works. Now what was previously our conscience, the voice of our conscience, now becomes the voice of God. So this is how it works. You have intuition at the bottom then you have let's say let's change it you have communion at the bottom then you have intuition in the middle then you have conscience at the top those three are under your spirit how do I get my spirit activated say with the communion fellowship with the Holy Ghost when I get into a church and I begin to worship, when I, uh, when I uh, spend time in, the room, in my room with the Holy Spirit, when I sit alone and I just commune and fellowship with the Holy Ghost and say, Holy Ghost, what do you want me to do here? What do you want me to do there? What do you want me to do right now? A lot of people pray without asking the Holy Ghost what He wants. And they answer their own prayers. Are you guys with me? So
so communion is fellowship with the Holy Ghost. It immediately activates my intuition where the voice of God resides. And it brings that voice part to my conscience. And it begins to awaken and stir up my conscience. Where now my conscience is no longer dead works, but it is alive. What does a conscience do that is alive? It tells you, you shouldn't be watching this TV program, rather watch this one. I don't know if you guys are with me. All of a sudden, in your conscience now, you can hear the Holy Ghost speaking to you. A lot of people can't hear Him in their conscience because their communion with the Holy Ghost is not there. Their fellowship with the Holy Spirit is not there. So the intuition that God has put into them isn't activated. Are you guys with me? It's simple. Say with you three. As we're going to go through this morning, there are three things all the time in Scripture. Isaiah 9 verse 6. Let's go to Isaiah 9 verse And I'm going to be quick with this, but if you're note taker, you can take notes. You will never remember what I'm going to say to you this morning. I don't care how intellectual you are. You just won't remember it. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government is upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Say with you, Wonderful Counselor. The word Wonderful Counselor means, uh, 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 means uh, extraordinary strategist. Where we get, and we get that word from a person called the Holy Ghost. He is the extraordinary strategist. Are you guys with me? So when the Bible speaks of wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. He's the one that walks alongside us. So in this verse where it says a child is born, a son is given, we see the Holy Ghost. Are you guys with me? Number one, it says mighty God, everlasting Father. Say with the everlasting Father. So we see the Holy Ghost. We see the Father. And then he says, Prince of Peace. Who is the Prince of Peace? Jesus Christ. So we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Locked up in Isaiah 9 verse 6. Very quickly. Are you guys with me? Let's go to, let's go on, let's go on. Let's go to uh, Luke chapter number 1 verse 30. I'm going to give you just three or four things. And I'll open up that a little bit. We'll be finished before 10 possibly. I want to try to finish before 10 for you for Christmas so that you can open up your gifts unless you have already done so last night. Uh, Luke 1 verse 30. Listen to this. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So as I said to you, uh, Christ was not made in a womb. A womb was made for Christ. Are you guys with me? Without going to the scripture, the Bible says that for, He has prepared a body for me. So for Jesus to have come into the world, it was illegal for Him to be on the earth without a body. It is illegal for spirits to dwell on the earth 
without a body. Why do you think demons try to possess people? Why do you think they don't want to because they are, it's illegal to dwell on the earth as spirits without a body? And God against His own word knew, uh, uh, not to go against His own word knew, He cannot get on the earth influencing man the way He needs to without a body. We are in a dimension that requires a body. Are you guys with me? So the only way you could do it was to create a strategy on how to get into the earth legally. And when he was born, Jesus as God himself. Mm. And I want to say to you, we don't believe in monadism, whatever I've, I've been accused of that. I didn't even know what it was until I went and researched it. We don't believe Jesus and God is separate. We don't believe Jesus lost his divinity as in his God nature. We don't believe it. The Bible says that Jesus laid down, emptied himself from divine privileges. What did he empty himself from? From the omnipotency, omniscience, and, um, um, and, and uh, omnipresence of God. So Jesus, while he was on the earth, was not omnipotent, was not omniscient, and was not omnipresent. He willingly laid it down so that he can come into the natural way of the world, come in, in order to save mankind. But it doesn't make him less God in any way. The moment we say it makes him less God, we begin to mess with the Trinity. But people say, but how can you say he was not omnipotent? Well, was Jesus everywhere at the same time? No. Was Jesus, did Jesus know all things? No, because otherwise he would never sat under teachers. The Bible says he grew strong in spirit. And then he was filled with wisdom. He was being taught. Are you guys with me? So, then, so he wasn't omniscient. And then omni, omnipotent, was he all powerful? No, because otherwise he wouldn't have need to be taken to the cross. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to sneak out one time when they were trying to kill him. And he sneaked away from them. Are you guys with me? So he came to be just like a man. In fact, the Bible says he became a bondservant unto man. To serve man and to give his life for man. So we cannot mess with the Trinity when we say these things that Jesus laid down. So the scripture says he laid down, he emptied himself of his divine privileges, which is the omnipotency, omniscience and omnipresence of God. So a body was prepared for him, came into the world, had the ability to go and die upon the cross, crucify, gets crucified. But let me tell you this. If, remember I said to you, if God is light, and that light we cannot see unless it touches matter, then it is there for the purpose. So Jesus was born. One of the purposes He was born was for us to see the Father. Now we can no longer see Him, but we have His Word. The Bible says that Jesus was crucified before the foundations of this world. Are you guys with me? If you don't believe me, the scripture is there. The lamb was crucified before the foundations of this world. Why did he have to be crucified again? 
Yeah. Why does he need to be crucified again if he was already crucified? Jesus said to his disciples, take my flesh. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. Whoa, you haven't gone to the cross yet. This is now a cult. That's why thousands at that moment turned away from him. Because he said to them, take all my flesh and eat my, and drink my blood. They're thinking, this is Jim Jones or this is a, some strange cult to be getting out of here. No, his flesh was already on the cross before the foundations of this world. His blood was already shed. That's why he was the son of man that could forgive sins. That's why Abraham could tap into him and be counted the righteousness of God. Are you guys with me? And Abraham being a Gentile could receive the righteousness of God and be called a friend of God. Why? He tapped into a crucifixion that happened way before the earth was formed. So long before you and I was formed, when God was thinking of the whole strategy, His Son already said who was the Word before He became Jesus, said, Wait, 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 let's quickly just, when God just thought about you and I, the Son already was crucified as a solution. I don't know if you guys are with me. It's the sovereignty of God. So why did Jesus have to go to the cross again? If He has already, and some patriarchs have tapped into that salvation, that were not Jews, but some of them were Gentiles. Are you guys with me? Because He needed man to be able to see with their eyes the crucifixion, knowing that not everyone will have faith to know that it happened before the foundations of this world. Because if they, have, if they are battling to believe that He was crucified now, how are they going to believe that He was crucified before the foundation? So the act that was done was simply so that man could see it with their physical eyes. Are you guys with me? And today it is documented. There's nothing that can disprove the crucifixion of Christ. Are you guys with me? So, so, we, so listen. We see in Luke 1 30, the angel came, said to Mary, do not be afraid. You have found, you have found favor with God. Um, you, will restore, you will conceive a child and in your womb and bring forth a son. So if you bring forth a son, not a child. Okay. So the Bible speaks in three different ways when it comes to the birth of Christ. It speaks of a child, it speaks of a son, and it speaks of that holy thing. Because the angel had no way to explain what is inside of a womb. Yes, she's going to see him as a baby. But if she can only understand that while she holds that baby, that the baby is actually holding her. Because everything is held together by the Word of God by Christ. So while Mary is telling, trying to protect baby Jesus, He's the one that is protecting. So the angel had no way or concept of, or couldn't conceptualize on how to explain to Mary what is happening. So he said, listen, that holy thing that is in you. Are you guys with me? So listen, in the childhood, which we call the silent years of Jesus, I'm going to get into that. We'll be finished soon. I'm going to give you four things. There are four encounters. There's 30 years that's missing of Jesus' life. 
And there's only four areas in those 30 years that the Bible speaks about. Four things that happen. In those four areas, there are groups of people that he met there. There are places that he was at that prophetically speaks of those who will serve God. It speaks, prophetically speaks of who Christ will become, but also with those who will serve Him. And please understand, our desires encounter is not to birth only a religion here that could ease your conscience in uh, just coming to church on a Sunday. Our whole purpose and motive is to get you to serve the call of God upon your life. Are you guys with me? To get to serve the call, to get you to serve the call, to get you to commit it. Meaning that God has called you. He has called you for a purpose. There's a destiny and a promise upon your life. And when we look at, when we look at, at the child Jesus being born, there are four things that stand out. Number one, he was a baby in a manger, visited by shepherds. So with him, shepherds. So we're going to look at that. Number two, he was in a temple being presented for circumcision and visited by prophets, which called Simeon and Anna. So number one, he was visited by shepherds. Number two, he was visited by prophets. Number three, he was visited by kings, the wise men. Are you guys with me? There were never three wise men. There were more. And then he was visited by teachers. He was, the Bible says that he was in the temple being taught the law at the age of 12. Are you guys with me? In fact, he was going in a question and answer debate with the teachers and they were astounded and astonished by the authority that he spoke with as a 12 year old which signifies the backing and the witness of the Holy Ghost that was upon his life from that young age that when he would just why he was the word so when he would speak it was with a full, he was the word. They didn't know when they sat and looked at a 12 year old that this is the word that is the one we've always looked for is in front of us. Even though we search the scriptures for eternal life, Jesus said, you search the scriptures seeking for eternal life, yet the word is standing in front of you. The one you should be searching is standing in front of you. Religion will mess you up. Have you seen what I was at with spirit, soul, body? Actually, I got off track. Let me, let me get back to that. Spirit, remember what did I say? I said conscience, intuition, communion. So I need to have communion and fellowship with the Holy Ghost to touch my intuition, to cleanse and to bring the voice of God into my conscience. So now all of a sudden I can hear His voice slowly. Conscience is your subconscious. It's like in the back of your mind. Are you guys with me? It's a still small voice that's still still. But now you have, can get that voice into your soul realm. The problem is a lot of people serve God in their soul realm and not in their spirit. So when they serve God in their soul realm, they, the soul has another three compartments. Will, intellect and emotions. Will, intellect and emotions. So anything I do that is my own will is soulish. Anything that I do that is intellectual is soulish. Anything that I do that is emotional is soulish. When I serve God in a soulish way, it is still fleshly and carnal. And it can be demonic at worst. Are you guys with me? 
So a lot of people serve God in the soul. Everything is about hype and noise. Some people can even pray or read the word out of their soul. It'll, be never, it'll never be mixed with the Holy Ghost. But we are to start off by the Spirit. And then what happens is the voice of God will go from your spirit realm. And now it'll begin to touch your emotions, your intellect and your will. Which now all of a sudden, the moment the voice of God begins to touch your soul realm, because you have correctly worshipped Him. You went into the Holy of Holies. You had fellowship with the Holy Ghost. Now, just the things you are thinking is the voice of God. Because He's now flooding your soul realm. Now we get into the body parts. Are you guys with me? Spirit, soul, body. The compartments under the body is what we call gates. So you have your eye gates, your mouth gates, you have your ear gates, your navel gates, you got many head gates, you got many gates. It's parts of the body that something can enter into to get into the spirit. Are you guys with me? You look at something with your eyes, it goes in. When you look away, it's in the inner projection of your mind. You look too much movies on one certain thing, you go to bed, all you see is that which you have seen on the inner projection of your mind. That's the eye gates, the mouth gates, the things I speak can cause to enter me, can defile me inside. The ear gate, what I hear and listen. People are listening to worldly music the whole time. And all the lyrics is, they don't even think about it, but the lyrics is just sex and this and that. What is it happening? It's polluting their insides without them knowing it. The next thing, their hearts are so desensitized. They cannot hear. They cannot even discern if God or the devil is next to them. Because everything is desensitized in them. Are you guys with me? So how do I correctly begin to serve God. It starts by fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost. And I'll close off with that a little bit later to explain to you. So we see the first thing. Say with me, the shepherds and the manger. So the first place that Jesus was, He was placed in a manger. And the shepherds, it was the shepherds came to Him and we see how the angel of the Lord visited the shepherds. And... Uh, this is speaking. I want you to first look at the prophetic image of the manger. A manger is a trough, I think it is, a trough, a trough, where, where uh, animals feed or eat out of. It is a thing that feeds beasts. Animals and beasts are represented of the fallen nature of the enemy. Which means that the moment that Christ was placed in the manger, was the moment he was put into the devil's territory. So when he came into the earth, it is like he says, his purpose has come to destroy, is to have, that he has come to destroy the works of the devil. Are you guys with me? So he was put into the place of darkness, into a place of the enemy and where the enemy can attack him. And then secondly, we see the shepherds coming on the scene and beginning to celebrate and worship Him. And the Bible says when they heard this, they were praising God and worshiping God. Shepherds 
Now, all of this is speaking about the true image that Christ will become, but I'm not going to go focus so much on that as what I want to put on as to where we have the ability to enter into these realms. Are you guys with me? And a process that God will take us through. So I'm not going to get too much into it. I'm going to give the processes in the end, but I'm going to drop the points right now. So we see shepherds. A true shepherd is somebody that takes care of the sheep. People get so offended when they leave the church and if we phone them and ask them where they are, how dare you? It's my right to leave the church. We never said it's not your right. There's a thing called care. Get over it. I'm the wrong shepherd. I get very frustrated. Everything in me has to die. Um, I, I, I don't even want to read social media comments anymore. The stupidity on there, those that are watching, the stupidity that is on the comments. I make a video of Trump and people think it's him. <laughs> Seriously. And then they get upset. Are you that? You need to get off your cell phone. You're a danger for society. You need to... You need to... Get, no, dear God, I'm thinking, have people been stupefied? Really? Social media stupefies people. It, it, it is designed anyway to do that. Gives you such a short-term concentration span. span. Uh, so those things are fickle. You never look at those things. Um... So when it comes to shepherding, a true shepherd knows the state of his flock. A true shepherd knows what is going on. Uh, that is why we have cell groups. We have all these things so that we can shepherd the flock of God well. Are you guys with me? You can have celebrity ministers out there, celebrity pastors, or they online or on TV or TV evangelists, but they don't have a flock they take care of. They just pack up and go and they don't care what they have to say. They don't care what words they use. They don't care if somebody is in hospital or this or that. It's just about themselves. Then you can have somebody with a church of 500 or 300 people for their whole lives, but they take care of those people. So it's a whole different. God weighs things and matters in heaven totally different. And He weighs success totally different than what we see success. Are you guys with me? So the manger represents the territory of the enemy. Shepherds represents the true shepherd that Christ would become, but also shepherds that once we answer the call of God, we have to be shepherded, but also that we will become a shepherd to people. And then we see that Jesus was born at night, which is the same thing. He comes into the territory of the enemy. Are you guys with me? That was how he, that was, everything around with where he came. But let me just go to this, Luke 2 verse 20. Luke 2 verse 20. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen. Say with me, heard and seen. As it was told to them. Listen here, they returned, glorifying God, praising God for all the things that has been told to them, that they have heard and seen. Meaning as a shepherd, 
there has to be demonstrations in a church where people can hear, but they can also see the power of God at work. Listen, where a church that moves in power will cause a people to glorify God, to worship Him. As it says, they were glorifying, they were worshiping Him because of the things they had heard and seen. They couldn't deny it. Angels came and visited and talked with them. Are you guys with me? Hmm. A lot of people think the star of Bethlehem was a star. A lot of people think that the star over, over Jesus, they call it the star of Bethlehem, eh? am I right? Something like that. And they think it was Haley's Comet. I'm serious, like that's, that's the studies out there. So because around that time, Haley's Comet would have gone over Bethlehem. Listen, Haley's Comet doesn't stay in one place for two years. The Magi saw that for two years because it took them two years to get to Jesus. You read it, we looked at some, some nativity scene, thinking they're coming there to his manger with small little gifts. They came with a, with a, a uh, camels, a caravan of camels carrying a king's bounty. A king's bounty was a minimum of 14 million US dollars. Minimum. Now Solomon received billions from Queen Sheba just for 30 minutes of his council. And the Bible says there's one greater coming than Solomon. So I doubt even that he got as little as 14 million US dollars. Okay, but let's leave that. Let's say 14 million for all the critics and so on. They came with a king's bounty, a caravan, looking for two years traveling. When they found him, they presented with a huge presentation. Why did everybody knew who Jesus was? Why did Pontius Pilate send spies out to go spy on him? If he's just somebody that is just saying, ah, oh, he's, he's who he says he is. There are many others who did it that day. Trust me. Are you guys with me? Why were they so threatened? Because there was already a scene made when he was born. It was big. When he was two years in, it was big. Then we see, I mean, for you even to live in, in Egypt, Egypt had the most expensive real estate. It was the most expensive place to live. So they came with a king's bounty to him. That money set him up for his whole life and his ministry. It was run by his uncle, Joseph Aramataya, who ran the family trust. And then when Joseph Aramataya passed on, Jesus began to take over that finances. It's as simple as that. It's just that we don't see or read it like that. God will never send his son into a place with no provision. Are you guys with me? Now, the miracles that Christ worked was done in His humanity, although He was God Himself. Let me say it like this. It was done without His omnipotency, His omniscience, and His omnipresence. And why did He only do the miracles after the Holy Ghost came upon Him? He explained the, the process we have to go through as a normal believer. And if He could do it, He says, you will do even greater works than I. 
Are you guys with me? He said that you have a high priest who can relate to you because who has gone through every temptation that you have gone through. So this thing about Jesus and being the man and God, He was God, yes. We can never say that there was a, a, a losing of divinity, but there was a temporary suspension of divine privileges that made Him legal to go through this earth. But yet He was God. Are you guys with me? So, so we see the manger, we see the shepherds, we see the, and when we see the second thing, the wise men coming. The wise men coming, and let me go to, uh, let me go to Luke 2 verse, uh, sorry, before we get to the wise men, let's go to Luke 2 verse 25. So the first one was the shepherds and uh, the manger. So with the shepherds and the manger. The place was the manger. It was dark at night. The shepherds were coming, worshiping God, speaking of shepherding. The second point, we see Simeon and Anna. We see the prophetic entering. Luke 2.25, let me read it here. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by, listen to this, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Say upon. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. This is the verse that is the most used in Scripture or that has the most compounding of somebody relating to the Holy Spirit in the whole of the Bible. Yet it was before his outpouring. Are you guys with me? So it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. He came in by the Holy Spirit. And uh, he came by, and then he, again, he came by the Spirit into the temple. So he was walking with the Spirit every single day. Then it goes on, it says, And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen yours. He says, and so Simeon is saying this, he's lifting up the child. He's saying, now you are letting your servant depart with peace because my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people of Israel. Listen, the documented records will tell you Simeon was by this time 150 years old. That God took his life, suspended his life and made his life delayed if I, or, or extended his life. Because there was a time when Simeon had to translate the Bible from Greek to Hebrew or from Hebrew to Greek. And he was part of a group. And this was around, uh, I think, 250 BC or so. And uh, he was there to translate the scripture from Hebrew to Greek. And as he came to the scripture in Isaiah, where it says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. He was, Simeon was confused. And he said, uh, he, said uh, he couldn't, and he was about to change the word virgin to young woman. This is historical. Are you guys with me? To young woman, because it didn't make sense that a virgin can bear a child. And he thought there was a mistranslation and a misinterpretation of Scripture. So he changed it to young woman. He was about to change it to young woman. And the moment he was trying to put pen to paper, an angel appeared right next to him. 
and the angel ministered to him and said, you will see this promise and you will see the Messiah born of a virgin Mary, of a virgin before your time of death is at hand. And from the day Simeon was kept alive until he was 150 to see, and that's why he says that now you have released me from this thing, what, this burden, until I see. And Simeon had to be so filled with the Holy Ghost that the Holy Spirit was upon him, was with him, and he was walking by the Spirit in every area. That if he would have missed that moment, imagine, if he didn't, the Bible says he went into the temple by the Spirit. Yet today people are building ministries without the guidance of the Holy Ghost. People are answering, taking businesses, getting jobs without the prompting of the Holy Ghost. What does it take to hear from the Holy Ghost? Say with you, fellowship. It's communion with the Holy Ghost. It's a place. Listen, communion with the Holy Ghost is not praying in other tongues. Mm. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit is not reading your Bible. Those are other things. The Holy Spirit is into your intuition, your communion. Your conscience. Are you guys with me? There's a way you fellowship with the Spirit by being sensitive. Having the other things as the Word and as prayer with you. But there's a place where you can get in. You have a relationship with the Holy Ghost. Where you continually in your conscience or your subconscious and in your spirit man. Have a conversation with Him. Saying, must I walk down? Must I meet this person? Must I take, before you get a job thinking, Lord, must I take this job? Is this your will? Let me pray first. Somebody that is so guided by the Holy Ghost. Are you guys with me? Then we see further on Simeon coming and then we see there was another woman, Anna. who was the Anna was the daughter of a man called Faniel. Now I just want you to listen to this. The word Anna means grace. And Faniel means to see before the face of God. So Anna's name, Anna and Simeon came in together. They were all led, both of them were led. Anna was a prophetess, Simeon was not a prophet, according to some and not according to others. But they were led by the Spirit in by that exact moment to step in. And as they stepped into the temple, their eyes fell upon the child Jesus. Anna's name means grace, her father's name means seen before the face of God. So that whole thing is what her life speaks of the grace to see the face of God continually. She was married with her husband for seven years and she was single after that 77 years, just spending time with God. Now for these two, and then, and then obviously Simeon even prophesied and said, this child will be set for the rise and fall of many. Are you guys with me? And he's not a prophet. He was somebody that was filled with the Holy Spirit. Say with he filled. It doesn't take a prophet to prophesy. It takes a believer that is filled with the Holy Ghost to prophesy. That is all. That if your mouth is full of the Spirit, it'll bubble forth the voice and the utterance of God. Wherever you go, whoever you walk to, you'll be able to minister prophetic and prophecy to them. It is not about a prophet or a single man of God. No, 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 no. Say with me, it's the Holy Ghost. A gift without the Holy Ghost can move in divination. Are you guys with me? Have your seats, have your seats. So we see Simeon and Anna. Now the Bible says this, that Simeon, the name Simeon, 
One of Leah's children, is, she called him Simeon, means to hear. Anna means to see. She was a prophet and her father's name means to see before the face of God. Are you guys with me? So we see Simeon and Anna walking into the temple. We see hearing and seeing. The shepherds, the Bible says that the shepherds, when they heard and seen the great works, they began to glorify God and worshiping Him. Then in Acts chapter number one, verse one, the Bible says that, that uh, O Theophilus, write down the things that you have heard and seen Jesus do. The things that you have heard and seen. Anna and Simeon walking into the temple, hearing and seeing. Say with me, hearing and seeing. Hearing, spiritual hearing and spiritual sight cannot come without fellowshipping of the Holy Ghost. So the first episode of Jesus' life, the shepherds in the manger, speaks of His life being in darkness and then being in shepherding, in a shepherd, place of shepherds. Then it goes to the place of the prophetic and having a relationship with the Holy Ghost. Are you guys with me? And giving you the ability to hear and see, have spiritual hearing and spiritual sight. Then we see a third visit, a third episode in Jesus' life. And we're almost finished. The third one is the wise men. Go with me to uh, Matthew 2.11. This is when the child Jesus was at home and the wise men came to him. Matthew 2.11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. Are you guys with me? This is a king's bounty they brought to him. This is not small little gold dust, a little bit of frankincense. Frankincense was your most expensive um, perfume or, or something like that, fragrance in those days. And it was used for many things. And I'm not going to get into, into all these meanings, but let me just say this. Say with me frankincense. Say gold. Say myrrh. Why was these three things given to him? Gold speaks of kingship. So when they came, they saw the Father as the King in Him. And they gave gold as a gift to the Father. Then they took frankincense, which is a fragrance that goes up. Speaking of the Holy Ghost. Are you guys with me? And they presented the gift to Jesus because they recognized the Holy Ghost upon Him and in Him. Then they gave Him myrrh. Myrrh speaks of the Son, the bitterness that He has to go through. So when they gave him that, they recognized him as the son. So when they looked at him, they recognized him as the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. They could not come with gifts just for the son. They had to give. Why? Because in Christ is locked up, the Bible says in Colossians 2, the whole Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. What am I showing you? I'm showing you the intricacies and the prophetic outlining of exactly how God has orchestrated things to be taken place, to be put into Scripture, to, that cannot be uh, that His divinity and His sovereignty and the perfect plan of God's will and the Scripture being, and especially what we call the scarlet thread. Nothing can be taken. Nothing is there by accident. Are you guys with me? So 
just before I tell you what Frank, I'm not going to get into what frankincense means, so it's too much. Frankincense basically means a costly worship. And I can get into a lot of things what frankincense was used for. Myrrh means a brokenness. It is also used for the word of Mara, where um, Esther said, God has dealt with me bitterly. Um, uh, uh, where the Israelites came out of Egypt and they went into a place of bitter waters and they called it Mara. It is a place of extreme bitterness. Are you guys with me? Uh, this gold, frankincense and myrrh also speaks of the prophet, priest and king that was in Christ and that you and I as believers can walk in. Are you guys with me? The myrrh is the bitterness of a prophet. The frankincense is the smell that goes up the prayers on behalf of the saints, which is the priest. And the gold is the king. It speaks of your authority, your ability to overcome. So when we look at his birth, we see that we are kings and priests made unto our God. But we are prophets over our own family. Our mouth is a prophet. You don't need a prophet in your life when you have the word in your mouth. And you can say, but wait, I'm going to prophesy the word over my own life. So God has made us prophets, priests and kings in our own home. When the wise men came to Jesus, the Bible says they came to his own home. Are you guys with me? These are things that has to be shifted in your personal life. It is not something that you can find in the church or can only present in a church. He says, listen, I need you to give me the best frankincense worship in your home. I need you to give me the best prayers of brokenness in your home. I need you to give me the best finances, the gold in your home. I don't know if you guys are with me. Okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let me close off. Let me close off. So the fourth place is where we see the boy Jesus in the temple. Let me read to you. I want to read to you just one verse. Luke 12, 2 verse 40. This is where he was 12 years old. Luke 2, 40. And then I'm going to go to 46. And the child grew and became strong. Say with him, strong in spirit. So that's point number one. Number two, filled with wisdom. And number three, and the grace of God was upon him. Then if we go to verse 46, it says, Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. I want you to see a progression. Are you guys with me? Are you too tired still? Give me two minutes. We're going to be done now. I know you're only here once a year okay just stay with me I know it's on a time for revelation and all this stuff but you don't have church tonight New Year's we only have church New Year's and not even the Sunday thereafter I mean this the next day other churches have like a church service that next morning 8 a.m. I'm thinking you're cruel So I need you to see this progression. Say with me, strong in spirit. Say grow, say, say filled with wisdom. Say grace of God. 
So before I get into that, there's four things that happen in Jesus' life. Number one, the shepherds came to him and placed uh, He was placed in the manger and the shepherds, his encounter with the shepherds. Number two, his encounter with the prophetic, Simeon and Anna, but also the importance of listening to the Holy Ghost. Number three, we see the wise men at his home. Kings coming to him, bringing him gifts, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Number four, the last one where we are right now, he's sitting with the teachers by the, uh, in the law, in the temple, speaking to them. But it says this, it's a strong in spirit, gro uh, gr strong growing in the spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God upon him. I need you to see the progression. So what the scripture is telling us, you cannot move in wisdom unless your spirit is strong. Because number one, he will became strong in spirit. How do we as believers become strong in spirit? Just to give you three or four practical keys. The first one is, and I must, say with you, pray in tongues. Many hours that you, if you can do, if you're not married, you ought to be praying many hours a day. And God has given you time, as I preach, Kronos time, to seek Him until that time is taken away. And you make somebody pregnant or your wife for, for hope we hope. And they don't just get pregnant. They get pregnant with triplets. Then your time is over. Are you guys with me? So people don't want to, listen, the Bible says redeeming the time. Before the days, because the days are evil. But redeem, while it is day, redeem the time. While it is day, I do the works of my Father, Jesus said. So while you are able, you begin to get your, you better begin to get your spirit strong. Pray in other tongues. You'll be amazed if you just go sit in your room, as boring as what it sounds, and you just focus on Jesus and you just pray. Maybe after an hour you're so tired, you just keep on. I mean, if you do it and you're not even saved, or nothing's going to happen. You're going to get a demon. But if you, are, uh, if you are saved and you have the Holy Ghost and you do it, maybe the first day for two or three hours you might feel nothing. In a week, you'll be a different person. You see, the Bible says gold, our faith must be tested and proved. That is more precious than gold. Because our faith has the ability to grow. Gold does not have the ability to grow. Our faith is tested, tried and approved. And it is more precious and more valuable than gold. Because the moment your faith is tested, anything is possible. When your spirit is strong, the Bible says, then wisdom came upon him. The moment your spirit is strong, now wisdom and you can be taught and revelation can come. Knowledge can come to you. Then the third thing happens. When you are strong in spirit and you have wisdom, God's grace comes and settles upon your life. The moment His grace settles on you, nothing is impossible for you. 
You can walk into a workplace and get a job. You can start a business and it'll be successful. Trust me, but the thing is people want the grace before their spirit's being strong. Or they want the grace before they are being able to be taught with the spirit being strong. Or they want teaching, they run after people and men of God and this internet preacher and that preacher and this one on YouTube. Yet their own spirits is so thin. Are you guys with me? So how do you get your spirit strong? Praying in tongues and just reading. You don't even have to study. Just read the Word. Just study. I mean, sorry, just, uh, just pray in tongues. Read the Word and yield to the Holy Ghost. That is it. You can still pray in tongues and read the Word and not healed. And you won't move. Yielding to the Holy Ghost means obeying the Holy Ghost. Are you guys with me? That right now He might tell me, don't preach on this, but preach on that. I can choose to be disobedient or obedient. Are you guys with me? The problem is people listen to this preacher and that preacher and this one on internet and that one on internet and it never ought to be. Let me say something blasphemous to those who are religious. Paul said, if any man comes to you and preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. Now there's a clip of a soundbite that they can say I'm a false teacher and a false prophet because that's not what the scripture means of course that's not what the scripture means but in the context of that day when Paul was speaking I'm sure it was kind of like exactly the same as what we are in today where everybody has all these voices listen to Leon de Priya I'm in the church I'm planted there but ah scroll Hey, this is somebody new on new kid on the block. Let's listen. Guess what happens? Confusion. As much as right as what they are at, if you're not planted there, I have seen people make it and I've seen not make it. And those who make it are just those who follow some principles. Now, those who don't make it don't like those principles. Are you guys with me? Be careful of too many voices. Trust me on this one. Voices. The older I get, the wiser you get. When you're young, you think, the Bible says you think like a child, act like a child, talk like a child. But when you grow up, you put away childish things. You realize, oh, I shouldn't have done that, 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 that. And you realize, you know what, if I could have had just consistency in my life or just commitment or just committed with one. The ability to have just to say, this is what I'm, because you see the moment other voices come in, other revelations, you know, I have friends, have your seats, I have friends that are ministers and they believe in total different things. When it comes to end times or this, I said, so we talk and I say to them, look, I said, guys, I, I believe in the rapture. I know that, but it's not an absolute for me. It's like a 98% for me. Or, okay, I study more maybe like an 80%. The rapture shouldn't be a 100% to anybody. Jesus should be a 100% to everybody. But a non-salvation issue shouldn't be a 100%. But the thing is that uh, if you're tossed, the Bible says if you're not rooted under the fivefold giftings, you will be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. 
So encounter preaches rapture. Somebody else there preaches post-tribulation. Sounds good. Let me take them. Why? You were not rooted. Now you're just listening to every little voice. Well, this one's telling you this, this one's telling you that, this one's telling you this, this. And our loyalties are being divided. And you're wondering, why am I not being fruitful? Because you are not planted. There's something beautiful in a Christian's life when they become fruitful. I'll be speaking on that on the new year, when they become fruitful. When you see them go through a season of death, of serving, testing, tested and tried. And then all of a sudden, they're just, they just fruitful. It's not a man-made thing. It just, I don't know how to explain it. It's a supernatural thing that begins to take place with the system and the model of discipleship. Where very few people have really tapped into that. Because people are wandering spirits. They love to wander and to wander. They... Then they buy this one. I see some people. Then they buy this preacher. Then they buy us. Then they there. Then they. I said to the one guy, I said, Jeez, I said, you've been around the block. I said, on every live stream, I see you in every crowd. I said, have you come to have some takeaways by us? Or what is the situation? Then I said, repent. And poof, gone. Frivolous. Like a, I won't say the Afrikaans word, but like a cloud without water, you know. Um, some of you might know the, the Afrikaans word. But be somebody that is fixated. Now, now, where were we? I want to close off with this. Where were we the last point? Teaching. Strong in spirit. That's where I was. Say strong in spirit. The moment I get my spirit strong, I have the ability for the wisdom of God to come on me. The moment the wisdom of God is on me, grace settles. What is grace? Grace is something, you know when you look at the royal family and you see, let's say, the Queen Elizabeth who has died or the princess, or, and you'll just see the way they get brought, there's a grace on them, which there is a grace of God on them because you're speaking of, uh, of patriarch here and etc. And um, Now, let's say, you, it's like they just have a grace. They can walk in the street and people, there's, there's, a, there's an aura about them. Because there's a specific grace given as royalty to lead a whole nation. When grace comes on you, it makes room for you for your destiny. People recognize you. It's all of a sudden, your voice changes. Everything about you just gets attention. It is grace, but it cannot come before it's time. Because before it's time, God is there to shape you and to form you and for you to go through discipline. Now that time of growing and that time of wisdom coming upon for Jesus was 30 years. For you, it might be 40 years. Are you guys with me? For some, it might be five years. Each one is different. But let me close with this. So those, those, those are those four episodes of Jesus' life. But let me, in conclusion, just give, run through a few meanings. I'm just going to read it. Read it here. I just wrote a few minutes that which I said earlier, and I just want you, your spirit to catch this. Isaiah 9 verse 6, when we said a child was born and a son was given, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see three gifts that the wise men bring. Gold, which is for the Father. Frankincense to the Holy Spirit. Myrrh to the Son. We see the gold representing His kingship and overcomers, and gold representing your kingship and your ability to overcome. Frankincense, 
representing worship. Myrrh representing your bitter moments. Are you guys with me? It also speaks of the prophet, priest, and king in Jesus, but also in your life. The prophet, priest, and king. Uh, we see the shepherds coming to Jesus, speaking of the ability to take care of people. Then we see the Simeon and Anna, which is the prophetic coming in. A sensitivity to the Holy Ghost. Meaning, not even Jesus could have done this thing without the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. He said, I do whatever I hear and see my Father do. Then we see the wise men coming in as kingship and we see teachers in the temple speaking of Jesus teaching ministry. But also that each one of us, everyone who is a believer, has been given a teaching ministry. Are you guys with me? Paul says, I still give you milk, yet you are, ought to be teachers already. So everyone is called to a type of teaching ministry. Every single believer should be able to teach the Word to somebody else. Are you guys with me? Then we see, listen, I want you to see the progression of the four episodes. Jesus coming in a form of darkness. Put yourself in His shoes. You come in a form of darkness, laid in a manger, in a place of absolute darkness. For you to come out of that, shepherds come into your life. Meaning there has to be a place where you have a shepherd, where you are, where you are established and rooted in a local church. The moment you are there, now you step into a place where you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Simeon, are you guys with me? The moment you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, then we see the prophetic coming into your life. Anna the prophetess coming. So there'll always be the prophetic that'll come. And the moment from there, we see how kingship and authority and overcoming comes upon your life and prosperity. So let me say this, that it starts off coming out of darkness into a local church being shepherded, then you encounter the Holy Ghost. But then God will put a prophet or an apostle into your life. Where there's, because apostles and prophets are supposed to be the foundation of every church. So they're supposed to be in every church. And once you have the ability to touch and understand the prophetic, it is the gold and the kingship that comes to you thereafter. Because prophets carry the key of prosperity in their lives. Are you guys with me? And once you go through kingship, you now, and prosperity, you now have the ability because your soul is prospering and you have overcome things in your kingship. You can now teach the word to others. And those are the four phases that Jesus went through. Are you guys with me? Then we see how He grew in spirit. He was strong in spirit, filled with wisdom and the grace of God rested upon Him. And then I can even go into the seven spirits of God that falls within those four episodes, but I'm not going to do that. Stand to your feet where, where you are at. Are you guys with me? Say with me the seasons of my life. Say it again. Say seasons. Say Holy Spirit. Don't let me miss the seasons of my life. Raise your hands to the Lord. Zekanoska andus kete.